band. We're going to get to Damian Lillard in just a moment. And by a moment, I mean, you got to give me a true moment. Because we had some breaking football news. You heard in the up there update there from Jake. I don't know why we got a lot of breaking news right now, by the way. We had the Bieber news. Now we got this Joe Mixon news that we're going to discuss as well. Reminds me, uh, you know, when Tom Brady first announced his retirement, this is before he then unretired and then came back and then retired again. The first time he did it, I remember I was doing a CBS Sports Radio show on a Saturday. And at that time, it was right after the pandemic. And maybe the pandemic was still kind of semi going on. And I was in, they wouldn't let me do radio shows for CBS on the, on like the side of the studio I typically am in. They had me do it on the sales staff side. I, again, I don't really know why. I don't really ask questions around these parts. They tell me to jump. I say how high. I'm a good company man, which I'm going to explain with Damian Lillard why maybe, maybe me being as loyal as I am isn't the greatest thing in life sometimes. But again, had me in this room and it was just not a great room it was like it was like the white walls there was no there was no paintings there was no anything on the wall it was basically a closet that looked white and so i was over there and i'm like all right let's do the cbs sports radio show let's hang out and it's just a weird vibe weird feeling and then tom brady announces his retirement just through the entire i i legitimately closed my Word document that had anything i was going to do for the rest of the show and just started from scratch right there which is a very rare thing for me to have happen, by the way. You don't expect big-time breaking news. At that time, that was a Saturday show during CBS Sports Radio. You don't expect big-time breaking news. Kind of like I've gotten accustomed to hanging out with you guys at night. You don't get big-time breaking news often. Sometimes on Fridays, though, we get lucky because people are trying to do news dumps is what they call it, right? You bury it on Friday night because people are already off for the weekend. They're hanging out. They're doing whatever. They just don't pay as much attention. You know, Monday through Friday, up until Friday, you get the daily grind. You do the same routines. You go to the gym. Then you eat your uh, healthy meal. And then you hang out with your family. You do whatever you do for your daily routine, right? I know, laughable. I threw going into the, going to the gym in there. Not been at the gym for a while, but we are throwing some salads in the mix. So we're off to a good start for the, uh, at least this month so far. We're doing all right. We're halfway through. We're doing all right. But the Bengals and Joe Mixon are finalizing a restructured contract that will keep them in Cincinnati for this season. Mixon was due $10 million this year. He had a, about a $13 million cap number, right? So now the deal frees up cash and cap for Cincinnati. And then Joe Mixon stays as their number one running back. Joe Mixon's agent, according to Tom Pelissero, said, quote, Joe just agreed to a restructuring of his deal. His goal is to win a Super Bowl and play his career in Cincinnati, and this is the best way to accomplish these goals. So I'm going to have a lot on Miles Garrett a little bit later on, but there's a lot that ties into what just happened with Joe Mixon that ties into that story as well. It's about staying with one team for your entire career, but it's also about the people that, leave just early enough where they don't get to cash in on some of the fruits of their labor. Joe Mixon wants to see this through for a couple of different reasons, and I am dying to find out the number that Joe Mixon has agreed to. I am abs- I'm so curious. He was due $10.1 million this upcoming year. Uh, Nick Chubb, pay attention, because this is what I wanted for Nick Chubb. I want Nick Chubb next year. If everything goes right, things go wrong, Different story. But if everything goes right, I want Nick Chubb to take a hometown discount. That's basically what Joe Mixon is doing. Joe Mixon is looking around. He's seeing the running back position be as devalued as it's ever been. 
He's looking around. He's seeing all these different. I mean, every other day we have a brand new story about the running back position and someone that wants to get paid money or isn't getting paid money and is mad about it. Josh Jacobs is not going to report to camp without a new deal. Austin Eckler says seeing some backup wide receivers making more than me is going to piss me off. Those are two brand new stories in the previous 24 hours. And this is in a week where we focused a ton on Dalvin Cook and Saquon Barkley. Running backs have gone mad. Running backs are upset. I I don't know how to fix the running back situation. But what I do know is that running backs are starting to get the, the sense and the idea that they're not as valuable as maybe they once were. In fact, I saw something earlier today I think you guys would find fascinating. Did you know... Let's put this out to James Bridges. You're a smart sports fan in my estimation. Give me a guess on who you think the top paid running back for next season is. Just a guess off the top of your dome. No pressure. Christian McCaffrey. No. Good guess, though. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the compliment, too. I'll take it. Good guess. Uh, let's see. Uh... Bijan Robinson is the answer. The rookie? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Think about that. The guy that's never had a snap in the NFL is the highest paid running back for next year. That's bad. That's bad. It's real bad. And he's also an outlier because he was taken in the top 10 of the draft, which is something that we don't see with running backs these days, right? So it's a weird situation right now with the running back. It's a, re- it's a weird situation in general with what they are paying and aren't paying guys. And really more it's about the lack of paying guys. But with, with Joe Mixon, what he's doing is he's understood. I think this is a brilliant play on his behalf. He knows he's valuable to Cincinnati, but he also knows he's not that valuable to the rest of the NFL. So go win a championship, take a discount, at least play for a championship, and then be considered a legend in Cincinnati. He's been in Cincinnati for six years. They've watched him go from being a very problematic human in college to still being a a relatively problematic human in the NFL. But they've watched him go from having 1,200-yard seasons really 1,100-yard seasons in three out of the previous four years up until this last year, to last year where he averaged under four yards a pop on the ground. I'll never forget the first two weeks of the season last year. Joe Mixon ran the ball like crazy. The Steelers game in particular. Do you guys remember that game at all? Steelers game in particular. They ended up, it was was a weird game. It was very, very close. Zach Zach Taylor's dodo bird brain was like, I'm going to run the ball like crazy with Joe Mixon. And then the Bengals were in very close games early. And then the light bulb went off. He said, oh, yeah, I have Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. Maybe I should throw those ball, throw the ball to those guys. Really, Sherlock? Yeah, of course you should. Like, yeah, that's a great idea. You probably should throw the ball to those guys. They're really talented. And uh, your running back, not as talented. Joe Mixon had some really impressive total yards in recent years, and he had some really impressive touchdown numbers. But his yards per attempt numbers is just meh. He's And, and really, that's the number you got to look at when talking about running backs. That's what makes Nick Chubb one of the best, if not the best, running back in the game. Averaging over five yards a pop is way different than averaging under four yards a pop. Massive difference. So Joe Mixon, I think, made a smart business decision for Joe Mixon. Calculated on this one. He said, I'm not going to make $9 million anywhere. I'm not making $10 million anywhere. If I went 
through free agency and try to sign any other team with the numbers I currently have and coming off what I did last season, I am making six or seven million dollars at best the way the running back market has taken this massive hit. Six or seven million dollars. So I, I make a restructured deal. I come back in Cincinnati where I'm going to end up in their ring of honor one day and I'm going to end up with my jersey retired and I'm going to end up being this legend, quote unquote, 27 years old. He's going to put up pedestrian numbers and it's not going to matter. Because Cincinnati is going to use Joe Burrow the same way they did last year, and they're going to use Joe Mixon the same way they did last year, where ultimately all they need out of him is the occasional four yards a pop anyway, and then they're going to be all right. And in the meanwhile, Joe Mixon gets to play for not only an AFC title game appearance, which I can't say it's locked because the AFC is incredibly tough, but the past two years it's been Joe Burrow versus Patrick Mahomes. So if history continues to repeat itself, he'll play his way for an AFC title game where he gets into a coin toss with Patrick Mahomes to see who ends up in the Super Bowl. That's not a bad get. I think a similar thing's going to happen to Nick Chubb. I really do. I, I keep envisioning this scenario where Nick Chubb, and Nick Chubb's a much better running back than Joe Mixon. Leaps and bounds better than Joe Mixon in my estimation. But I think what's going to happen is after this next season, assuming everything goes right for the Browns, and I have high expectations and high assumptions for this team, Nick Chubb is going to enter an offseason where he's got to go to that bargaining table with the Browns, and the Browns are going to say, hey, listen, we like you. We don't like you at $14 million, though. We want to restructure this deal, and if you want to come back, great. And if not, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. It's going to be cold. It'll be It'll be extremely callous of the Browns, but it's what they got to do on their end. And in my estimation, he's going to look at it the same way the Guardians did with Jose Ramirez, and he's going to take the hometown discount, and he's going to end up staying, and he's going to get an opportunity to actually win with the Browns on a big stage. Check off that final box. Joe Mixon has come so close himself. Playing in a Super Bowl two years ago, back-to-back AFC title games, he is knocking on championship's door got arguably in my estimation the second best team in the AFC for my money it goes Chiefs and then it goes Bengals and I know that might make you a little sick to your stomach it's just how I see it though until proven otherwise for Joe Mixon the deal makes a lot of sense for the Bengals the deal makes a lot of sense the same way I think the Browns restructuring Nick Chubb at the end of this season would also make a lot of sense for some of the similar reasons The only difference here is that Joe Mixon with Joe Burrow is at least promised some big-time games and big-time opportunities, where right now the Browns can't promise the same thing to Nick Chubb because we don't know that Deshaun Watson is going to give off big-time games, big-time opportunities. Mixon's turning 27 this month, second-round pick back in 2017, last year 814 yards for seven touchdowns. Not nearly as productive as he was just a couple years ago. Oh, good. We have some of the deal, uh, some of the, uh, the numbers on this one. Okay. And actually, it's in the ballpark that I was projecting. So that's good. I won't hurt myself patting myself on the back, but it is a Friday night. So, you know, anytime you get something right, you gotta, you know, if I don't prop me up, who will in this life? That's what I always say. You need me to go to, uh, one of the, uh, drugstores and get you a sling? No. All right. No. No, I won't hurt myself, pat myself on the back. We'll be all right. This time. This time at least. You never know in the future. 
You know what's funny is I get a lot more right than I ever give myself credit for. I'm just going to put that out there. I get, I get a lot more right than I, I, I am, I'm the radio host that a lot of radio hosts will shout out when they get things right. I typically don't. This one, I just like, I like it because it's a numbers thing. And I like, I like numbers. Uh, anyway, Mike Forio, Pro Football Talk. Base salary just under six million dollars with incentives that could earn him up to eight million dollars. So right in that six to eight million dollars sweet spot, exactly what the Browns will do with Nick Chubb next year. They're going to say you're going to get six million dollars with incentives. Maybe it goes to nine or ten. Maybe his is a little bit higher. Maybe like seven and a half or eight million dollars to start, and then incentives that takes him up into nine, ten that range. Remember the Vikings could have paid Dalvin Cook. He was worth nine million dollars. They let him go. I find the running back position the changes to be absolutely fascinating, though. But Joe Mixon staying in Cincinnati, that's the, the news of the night. Leave that there. We come on back. We're going to get to Damian Lillard and the latest with the Trailblazers. And the question we had that I want to get back to with you guys, 216-474-0092. He doesn't have a no-trade clause, but will Portland help Damian Lillard get to Miami, or will they look out for themselves? 216-474-0092. We'll do it next right here on The Fan. All right, we're to Damian Lillard in a second. You want to hear my Joe Mixon thoughts? We just did it for a segment at 8 o'clock. You download the Odyssey app. You use the rewind function. Go back and listen to it. It's a good move. Good move for Cincinnati overall. Yeah, you know, maybe an Isaiah Pacheco could probably do just as much, but they have the cab space right now, and it's just for one season. And I don't mean Isaiah Pacheco himself. I mean the idea of Isaiah Pacheco. Seventh-round pick out of Kansas City last year who came up big for them in the regular season and the postseason. They probably could have taken care of the running back position in the fifth round with a very similar to, let's say, Jerome Ford, the guy we drafted who came up big for us last year in some of the return stuff but is obviously going to be a factor this year. Probably could have taken someone like that. I'm just being honest about it, and they wouldn't have lost that much value based off of what Joe Mixon currently is. Joe Mixon... Put up a lot of yards, scored a lot of touchdowns, but that was because he was a volume running back. He had a lot of opportunities. He averaged right around four yards per carry. Nick Chubb averages over five yards a carry. There's a clear difference between the game's best and elite and what Joe Mixon currently is. But for Joe Mixon, he gets to stay in Cincinnati. He has to stay in Cincinnati. It's a good decision on his behalf. I really do believe that. He's going to play for titles. He's going to have an opportunity to at least advance on and I just, I don't hate the move. I don't hate becoming a legend in your own hometown where you play, or not hometown, but where you started your career and then where you continued on your career. I, I never hate that move from athletes. And in the case of Joe Mixon, what was he going to end up doing? Playing for a team that had no chance of going to the postseason but just needed a running back to, to fill a bunch of carries? That would have been awful. So pro football talk saying about $6 million could be worth about $8 million with incentives. I would imagine those incentives are pretty hard to get to. But let's say they're here nor there. 216-474-0092. Lance in Painesville up next on the fan. Hello, Lance. Hey, how you doing, brother? Hey, what's um, up, Lance? Like you said, I'm going to echo what you said. Those ele- escalator um, is going to be hard to get to. Um, football is the one sport where it's really hard to predict. I, I love Joe Burrow. I love Jamar Chase. I love that offense. I love that coaching staff. I loved it, but at the same time, football is so unpredictable. And and to to predict that 
Joe Mixon, if he stays in Cincinnati, he's going to get shot at AFC championship games. He's going to get a shot at another Super Bowl, maybe. That's hard. that that's really hard in football, as we see. And right now, Patrick Mahomes is the only short shot that you can say right now that he, he he's a guaranteed AFC championship or bust. Oh, I, Lance, I don't know that you can split the baby like that. I don't know that you can say I can't say it for Joe Burrow, but then I can say it for Mahomes. I feel like it's a it's a you believe that the AFC is so tough you can't say it for anybody, or I get to say it for Mahomes and Burrow. I, I don't, you can't see it. Okay, I'll take that back. You can't say it for nobody. Okay. You got me. You can't say it for nobody. In the now that's fair. I can res- I, I yes, that's fair then, Lance. Like I, I can understand that perspective, and I appreciate you as always. Thank you for calling, Lance. Yeah. Okay. Oh, poor way. He sounded defeated there. I would have let you keep going. It's okay. He's like, I got the point off. We're good. We're good. I I think it's incredibly tough, and but I think the the idea is not necessarily that he's locked into the AFC title game. The idea is that for the previous couple years, it's been Joe Burrow versus Patrick Mahomes in the AFC title game. We are two years running. If we get another one, we hit what I call the Clint Hurdle Invitational. When Clint Hurdle played in the NL Wild Card game for four years straight, and we just had to rename the damn thing. That where we're entering that territory with Mahomes and with Burrow. But you're right, and I think that's a, that's a very valid take. If you're not going to give it to Mahomes, then you can't give it to Burrow either, obviously. So you got to give it to nobody. The AFC is so incredibly tough. If that's the road you want to go down, no complaints from me in the slightest bit. AFC is too hard to predict. Two one six four seven four double zero ninety two. But I think we can all agree. If I'm capping out the, the top teams in the AFC and what gives you the best chance as of right now on July fourteenth, the Bengals are. In most people's estimation, the second-best team in the conference and arguably the second-best team in football. Mike in Streetsboro, up next on the fan. Well, Mike. Hello. Hey, uh, yeah, I was just going to say that Joe Mixon, I think it's fair for him, but he's he's not as good as Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb is far, oh, far nowhere, better. Yeah, nowhere close. Uh, Mixon and, and I, Nick Chubb is a, it's a Grand canyon size difference. Yes, I mean, you know, Nick Chubb is like, he's like, like our favorite man he's like the best you know i mean we love we love nick job no doubt and but there's a there's a and thank you mike i do appreciate the call like there's way different but i also think both teams are going to use their respective running backs way differently as well oh now hold on hold on a second let me think that one through for one second will kevin Stefanski in the new deshaun watson era use Nick Chubb in a similar way that the Bengals and Zach Taylor are going to use Joe Mixon this year. Joe Mixon's a volume back, always gets a lot of touches, always gets a lot of carries, but last year he had to dial it down. That's just the reality of it. 2021, he had 292 attempts. That's that's a million attempts. Last year he had 210 because Zach Taylor put together the idea that you can't run the ball with Joe Mixon as much as they were. It's just not feasible. It's just not something you can do. Uh, shockingly enough, he was averaging 15 attempts per game, where last year Nick Chubb was in that ballpark. But I would bet that number goes down for Joe Mixon, and I would think the difference here is going to be the idea of whether or not you think 
Deshaun Watson is going to be so good that Nick Chubb ends up with a limited amount of carries relative to what you would think. That's going to be the question mark. That's got to be the question mark. Yeah, Joe Mixon just watched his output just dissipate. I mean, just get completely taken away. He basically got muzzled in in 14 games of action, 210 attempts from 292 the year prior. Because, again, Zach Taylor in the first two games of the season gave Mixon a, a bunch of opportunities and then looked up and was like, wait, we're not winning these games. This is not This is not the right recipe. And then made the right adjustment, which is the adjustment he should have had the entire time, and then moved on from there. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. We're gonna get to Dame Willard in just a second. I see this this tweet. James, I'm gonna need your help. Jake, I'm gonna need your help on this one as well. You guys know I, I, I like innovators when it comes to the food game. I think inventing food and new food is so incredibly tough. When people do it, we have to give them credit, okay? When I see something I haven't seen before, it's really hard. It's like coming up with a new concept for a TV show. At this point, so many people have come up with concepts for TV shows. Good luck doing something that isn't the Brady Bunch or Laverne and Shirley, okay? Like, they're all, we've done them all. It's very hard. Give a lot of credit to new TV shows that I see out there. I don't know about this one, though. It's called a Seattle dog. If you go to Seattle, the street vendors serve their hot dogs with cream cheese and grilled onions. I love cream cheese anything. I'm the guy, when I go order sushi, I order sushi with the cream cheese in it. My wife's always like, please don't do that. You get one roll, and that's it. I'm like, all right, fine, I'll take the one roll. I like cream cheese basically in anything and everything. I love grilled onions. Grilled onions on a hot dog is one of my favorite things. Go to the ballpark, you get grilled onions on a hot dog. It takes you back to the, like your youth, the best of times. I don't know. Grilled onions and cream cheese. James, would you try it? Hell no. This looks disgusting. You see the photo? Yes. Yeah. I mean, this is yes. this is not this. No. I don't know that I love this. No. This the look l- of it is not good. No. It it look, presentation. It gets a two. And I want to throw some ketchup on it, but that would just make it grosser. Ketchup and cream cheese don't mix together, so you're you're stuck and beholden to just the cream cheese and the grilled onions. Who would think to put cream cheese on a hot dog? Seattle people. They get, it gets weird in the Northwest. It's it weird out there in Seattle. Too much coffee. Not entirely sure what they do out there. Well, it rains a lot. It rains a lot. That's why the street vendors, they don't get to sell a lot. I became addicted to watching a, uh, you know, on TikTok, the, the Seattle market, uh, I believe it's called Pike Market, where they sell the fish, and they do the fish toss anytime they go to Monday Night Football, and it's it's the Seahawks. You see them; they always do that that same cutback, kind of like when we have Monday Night Football or Sunday Night Football here. They always show the uh, Christmas story lamp, and then they always show these like weird images of Lake Erie. I, it's it's the same like four things that they keep showing over and over again. If you go to anytime you watch Seattle on a national stage, they always show this fish market where they throw the fish and then they catch the fish, right? And on TikTok, I found the TikTok of this Seattle fish market and I'm obsessed with it. Like it's it's the I don't know why I don't know why the I don't know why TikTok thought I would love this, but I love it. It's just these guys they they place the orders for the fish and then they talk about how rare the fish is and then they cut up the fish in front of you and then they throw the fish and it's a great time. I know, I know. You're 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 in deep, bro. I know. I've hit so deep in the TikTok algorithm that they're they're throwing me fish markets in Seattle right now. But I'll take it. 
But yeah, so I also got cream cheese and grilled onions on a hot dog, and it makes me want to vomit right now. I'm a little hungry at the moment. I don't think I would eat it, but I, I love cream cheese and just about anything. You got to try it once. Seattle's also the home of the cockroaches at Safeco. They, they serve legitimately cockroaches you can buy at the baseball field. It's like, it's like a concession item. You know, we have the, uh, the hot dog with Fruit Loops. You can buy cockroaches at the ballpark. It's kind of one of those similar things. If I'm there at the stadium, I kind of have to try it. I go to the baseball game to watch athletes do amazing things. Not, not play Fear Factor? Exactly. I'm not, I'm not here to, I'm not here to be with Bear Grylls. Yeah. If I, if I want to do that, I go to the Amazon or something. With Joe him. Rogan pops out and offers you a hundred dollars. Congratulations. You passed the test. That's really the, the problem with Fear Factor. Let me go down that road really quickly and then we'll get to Dame Willard. Okay. What happened with Fear Factor that ruined it was that in the first season of Fear Factor, people genuinely didn't know if they were going to die or not. They were like, this is incredible. Okay, let's do this. We got high stakes. We got high everything. They genuinely didn't know what type of trouble they were getting into. And then after the first year, the contestants put together that the production was not going to let them die. The production crew, there was no chance NBC was going to let them die. And every game that they were playing that was supposed to be like high stakes or supposed to be like really scary was not going to actually be scary if they just hung it, hung through with it. And so then the contestants just became awesome at every single game. And so then they had to pivot because they couldn't do the things where you jump off of buildings with the worry that you weren't going to make the other building and land on the other side. So then they went to just like a bunch of like eating, uh, you know, bull items of your body that you wouldn't want to eat. Kangaroo liver. Yeah, stuff like that. They just they turned it into like just eating a bunch of gross things instead of having a bunch of really intense competitions because the the contestants and everyone at home all put together. Wait, wait a second. They're not going to let people die on this show. There at the time the show was released, there was like a there was an actual worry out there in the first year that people like, oh yeah, they're jumping building to building. They might not make it. No, they were always going to make it. It was always going to be fun. So that was Fear Factor. It was much better, much better when it first came out. Anyway. Damian Lillard and his story with Portland is fascinating to me. Justin Termini, uh, Sirius XM NBA Radio, was on with Ken and Anthony earlier today, and this is what he had to say. A couple of years ago, I'm like, hey, you got a long-term contract, you're demanding a trade. That's absolutely garbage. Okay, we got to catch up with the times, and now that's what's taking place around the league. Fine, I guess I can put up with the trade demand, but to say one team is absolutely garbage. So that's where he loses me. I can't believe that I'm hearing some in the media uh, say that that's okay. And If he's giving you one option, how are you supposed to find a good deal out of that? And I'm glad you're okay with this, even though there's like five or six or seven other organizations Mm -hmm. that I could be dealt with that would give me an opportunity to win because I'm painting this is I want to trade because I want to win. What it really is, I want to win and I want to live in one specific location. I mean, Damian Lillard could win in Philadelphia. He could win in Boston. He could maybe win in New Orleans. There are other places that he could go and have success, but yeah. he wants to live in a place where he's got the nightlife, he's got the beaches, and he's the no income tax, and he's got the weather. You can't just have you everything. Are- All right. Let's react. 216-474-0092. I agree with Justin, which is not a popular take apparently today. I agree with him. If I'm Portland, why am I giving Damian Lillard everything that he wants? Why am I, why am I his genie that he gets to just rub and then I pop out and I say, where do you want to go? What's your wish? What's your dream destination? Not, a, I'm not, I don't grant wishes. 
This is not what I do. I, I work for the Portland Trailblazers. I'm trying to do what I do best, which is make deals and make my team successful. Two one six four seven four double O ninety two. Why Dame is like life, I'll explain when we come on back. It's overtime with Jonathan Beetle here with you, the fan. A couple of years ago, I'm like, hey, you got a long-term contract, you demand a trade. That's absolutely garbage. Okay, we got to catch up with the times, and now that's what's taking place around the league. Fine, I guess I can put up with the trade demand, but to say one team is absolutely garbage. So that's where he loses me. I can't believe that I'm hearing some in the media uh, say that that's okay. And if he's giving you one option, how are you supposed to find a good deal out of that? And I'm glad you're okay with this, even though there's like five or six or seven other organizations mm-hmm. that I could be dealt with that would give me an opportunity to win because I'm painting this is I want to trade because I want to win. What it really is, I want to win and I want to live in one specific location. I mean, Damian Lillard could win in Philadelphia. He could win in Boston. He could maybe win in New Orleans. There are other places that he could go and have success, but he wants to live in a place where he's got the nightlife, got the beaches, and the no income tax, and he's got the weather. You can't just have everything. That's Justin Termini, Sirius XM NBA Radio, earlier today on with Ken and Anthony. And I've spent a lot of time in the previous couple weeks talking about Dame, but I'm fascinated by the story. Dame, I think, is a good reminder not to be too loyal to any one thing or place. You know, be loyal to your significant other, okay? With today's divorce rates, it seems like that might even be a questionable decision as well. But, like, be loyal to your significant other. But I always think this way when it comes to companies and where we act and where we are these days. It's like they're going to... Saw this floating around yesterday with ESPN. It was it was a line that I think it was Richard Deitch had. It was like, yeah, with ESPN, you had to screw them over before they screw you. That's just how this works. I am admittedly a very loyal human being. I am. My generation, though, is at the forefront of understanding that just the same as you can leave them, they can leave you. I'm 34 years old. I think the younger generation is even better than my generation. I'm a millennial. They're even better than my generation is at the idea of they can fire you at any minute. You don't have to do anything you want, anything you don't want to do. Like they'll they'll get rid of you. They'll toss you out like your days old Chinese food. You need to take care of you. And I think in sports we're starting to come to that realization as well. But here's where I'm going to side with the team on this one in Portland. Why should Portland care about Damian Lillard? I get it. He's a top 75 player all time. He's a storied Olympian. Decorated Olympian is the better way to put that. He is going to go down as one of the best Portland Trailblazers uh, players of all time. But don't you have to look out for the reason why you took Scoot uh, Scoot Henderson at pick number three overall? Like, don't you have to look out for that? I just, I, I don't understand it. But more importantly, the temerity involved with Damian Lillard to think that he could be above it is astounding to me. He signed a four-year deal. He signed an extension for two more years. It's a four-year deal. $216 million is what he's got remaining on the books. The part of LeBron's story that people get wrong in this conversation, everyone wants to talk about how LeBron uh, was the trailblazer in the player empowerment era. But if you really look at it, LeBron never left a contract early. Give LeBron credit for that. LeBron never left a contract early. He saw every contract that he had, and he saw it through. Damian Lillard signed an extension and then decided he wanted to bolt. What are we doing here? That's not the same thing. I believe we're going to get to a point in the NBA if we continue down the player empowerment road, which again, I'm not, I'm not dissing. They do what they got to do. I understand it. But if we go, if we keep going down this road, 
we're going to get to a point in the NBA where players sign a max extension and then ask for a trade. It's it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous what he tried to do here. So, no, if I was Portland, I wouldn't grant him his wish. And I've tried looking at this a million different ways. I, I've tried putting together the, a type of package that would help Portland as much as it helps Dame to get to Miami. Because in, the, in that instance... Then you can help Dame out, which would, you know, be satisfactory for long term in keeping that relationship solid. But you'd also help out you. And I can't come up with one. It's just not working. When Anthony Davis wanted to get to Los Angeles, the roadmap was much easier. Ingram, ball, some picks. It was just easier than what we're seeing here with this. But I think this needs to be the reminder to Dame. Athletes got to stop trusting these teams. They got to stop thinking that they have all the power here. They don't have all the power. Uh, currently, these teams are just like companies in America. They, they're the ones with the true power. Derek Carr. Derek Carr a year ago said he would rather not play football than play for another team that isn't the Raiders. I don't even blame Las Vegas. He won as many playoff games as I did in his time there, okay? But you had to shake the snow globe up, right? But his commitment to the Raiders was met with being told to grab some bench with games still left to be played. That was the reality. How you treat the athletes that matter the most in the winding days of their career do matter. Tells the rest of the league how you'll act. But I don't think it matters in Portland's instance here because Portland's got to think about Scoot Henderson and they got to think about the next era of Trailblazers basketball. And oh, by the way, Joe Cronin, who keeps getting brought up in this discussion, Joe Cronin was hired as the interim GM in December of 2021. So he's been in charge of Portland for a hot minute. He's got to showcase that he knows what he's doing. Why would he give off favors to Damian Lillard? More likely than not, he's not going to see the time when Dame is supposed to come back after his retirement and have his jersey retired and everything else. He doesn't have any hand in that. More likely than not, he's going to be on to the next job by that point. Why would he care what Damian Lillard thinks about his time ending with Portland after Dame signed a four-year, $216 million deal? I just don't understand it. And listen, Miami's in a tough spot. They let Gabe Vincent go. They let the Cavs sign Max Struess, who I'm not as high on. Whatever. Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, their first-rounder, and J.J. Jr. They got picks, and is that it? I mean, you're going to need another team to to facilitate this whole entire deal. It's not going to end up working out. From an interesting standpoint, I actually like him in Philly or with the Clippers more than I like him in Miami. But Dame's made it abundantly clear, and I just don't know why the Trailblazers need to just bow down to Dame and acquiesce to his demands. 216-474-0092 on Twitter. There you can find me. I am at J. Pietro, and the question is simple. Will Portland help Damian Lillard get to Miami, or will they look out for themselves? I just think today's society is going to mirror what Portland does in such a big way. They're going to look out for Portland. This is the way these things end. This is the way this goes. We'll talk about Miles Garrett a little bit later on in the show. The, the idea of whether or not Miles would stay with the Browns or not if they end up going down a bad path next year. And it's like, well, Miles has to look out for himself the same way the Browns have to look out for themselves. Now, we had George Sedano on, and George Sedano, I thought, raised an interesting point. I, I disagree with it. I've given it a lot of thought. I disagree with it. But I think in the context of the NBA, this is why you got to be careful bringing too many other equations into NBA discussions. Because the NBA 
just acts on its own. I can always tell who's a big-time NBA fan by how they do sports discussions. There are a couple of different things that happen in sports discussions that don't happen in the NFL and don't happen in baseball, and I feel like this is another one of those showing. Here we go. Miami didn't have to trade first-round picks to Cleveland. They did it to please LeBron and to say, all right, Cleveland, you're going to hate us anyway, but at least we're going to give you some picks, okay? And generally that's how – and they did it with Toronto too, with Bosch. And Miami, in retrospect, probably should not have done that. But they did it. So I think ultimately what will happen is this deal will get done. Um, it's the summertime. He's the biggest star in sports that's available in theory. <laughs> so we're going to talk about this and belabor this point forever. And I would just say ultimately, much like Kevin Durant ended up in Phoenix or Bradley Beal ended up in Phoenix with his no-trade clause or AD ended up uh, in L.A., even though there was rumors that the Celtics were going to come in and grab him, um, and his dad, of all people, said he ain't playing for the Celtics. <laughs> so this, this stuff is just moot. Like, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when it's going to happen, I, in my opinion, right? I mean, I could be completely wrong. Maybe I'm an idiot. Um, but just the history of the sport tells me that this is where it's headed. I just think the history of the sport made it so much easier previously to get some of these deals done. If Portland wants to, they can send him to basketball Siberia, and it just it would help them out. Immensely, if the deal was right, if sending them somewhere else made that team 1% better, in my estimation, they should do just that. And now maybe the selfish part of me just wants to see Damian Lillard in a different spot. Maybe that's all that is. Maybe I'm looking at Dame. And, and listen, I, there is a Cavs part of me that has entered this equation as well. If Dame ends up in Miami, that is Dame and Jimmy Butler with the best coach in the game in Spolstra. That is another elite contender thrown into the mix. Because you thought you were taking, if you're the Cavs, you thought you were taking on the Celtics, the Bucks, and the 76ers, and you can make an argument that the 76ers window is closing sooner than it is staying open. Like Embiid's going to keep that one open for three years maybe, somewhere around there. At some point, that window is going to start to close, and if they lose Harden, Embiid and Maxi is good, it ain't great. But you got the Celtics, the Bucks, and the 76ers. Miami made it to the finals, as we all saw, but as of right now, is currently constructed. I'm not betting on Miami. I'm just not. I'm sorry. I'm just not. Miami's good. But again, if they land, Dame, if they land Damian Lillard, then in my estimation... And this is not giving any credit to the Knicks, who just took us down in five games. You have four teams at a minimum that the Cavs are looking up at. I mean, it almost feels like the AFC conference a little bit in the NFL, where as good as this Browns team is, and I maintain they're going to win double-digit games, I maintain their 2-53 to is one of the best in the NFL. I got a handful of teams that are still above the Browns because the AFC conference is just so good. The Eastern Conference right now, in the NBA, if you throw Dame up onto the Heat, all of a sudden we're looking at four teams minimum that are better than the Cavs right now. Four teams that we have to leapfrog, which also would guarantee that we don't have a fortunate 4-5 matchup like we had last year where we got a chance to take on a Knicks team that I thought we were better than. That means, at best, 
we would take on one of the four between Celtics, Butler and Lillard in Miami, the Bucks with Giannis, and the 76ers with Embiid. That sounds like a disaster for the Cavs. If I'm a Cavs fan sitting here trying to figure out what exactly you know happens with Dame, I am praying to the stars above that he ends up going to a team like the Los Angeles Clippers. Go West, young man. Get out of here. Go West. He ends up in the Western Conference. I don't have to worry about anything. He doesn't, I don't have to worry about Miami. Miami's good. They're not great. They've had a disastrous offseason up until this point because they've been preparing to land Damian Lillard, okay? They've done their part. I don't know that Dame is going to be able to do his because he doesn't have a no-trade clause. It would be, in my estimation, disastrous for the Cavs if Dame ends up in Miami because of what I all laid out. So selfishly, I'm hoping it doesn't happen. So maybe George Sedano is more right than I am on this topic, and maybe I'm just thinking with my heart, and my heart wants Joe Cronin to be selfish on Portland's behalf. But I, I think even if you take the biases and everything else aside, I still believe Portland's got to look out for Portland. they got to look out for Scoot Henderson. What about his career? More than they got to look out for Dame, a guy that's missed 77 games in the previous two years. All right, leave that there. We come on back. We got the fan focus. Ton to get to in a busy 9 o'clock hour. But first, it's just about time for the Browns to get to work. So make sure you know the latest from the voices that you trust. Daryl Ryder and Andy Baskin, they have you covered. It's their podcast. It's always game day in Cleveland on the Odyssey app or at 92.3thefan.com.